Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 38 of the Lay Film Podcast. I'm your co-host, Richie, a.k.a. Rich Lehomi. And I'm one of your co-hosts, Tyler, a.k.a. the Lord of Locks, Cunningham. <laughs> and I'm another co-host, uh, Patrick. And um, Kevin is not going to be joining us today, but we do have a special guest. Uh, hi, my name is Connor, also known as the Keeper of Keys. I keep keys. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate yeah, thanks it. for joining us today, Connor. Um, yeah, this is exciting because it's our first in-person podcast and several episodes, so it's good to have a special guest on our return. Uh, yeah, yes. we reunited, and this is gonna be fun. Um, Connor, Connor is my guest today. Uh, the homie been wanting to bring him on for a while um so thank you for blessing us with your presence thanks for bringing me on with our first in-person pod in a while i'm very happy uh i work with tyler and every time i see him i'm like get me on the podcast i really want to talk about movies we work together we're damn near fame he's also dating my (laughs) sister also that which is totally not weird (laughs) (laughs) just to put it out there it ain't weird connor's super dope and he loves yeah. movies like us, so I do. Yeah, Connor, um, I, you've mentioned before the podcast that you were considering studying film. I am, yeah. Uh, as, as long as I can remember, my dad has been always showing me movies, uh, just showing me about it. And some of my fondest childhood memories, honestly, are my whole family gathering around the couch and just watching movies, whether it's, whether it's uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong, you know, I love that growing up, Ooh. or my dad showed me The Thing for the first time growing up, oh. and I like lost my mind, so it really just sparked a love, so I think I would like to study it and pursue it. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic, um, and yeah, for new listeners, listening to the for the first time, uh, yeah, we get together for every episode and we talk about films from all over the world. And that's what we do. And um, yeah, I can't wait because Connor picked the, the film for us to, today and we can't wait to get to that. But um, yeah, I want, wanted to mention something. Um, our uh, filmography of films that we've re- reviewed um, all have a, a pattern of being pretty dark and can be pretty upsetting. Sorry for... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> Um, but we wanted to mention uh, happy movies because we haven't had too many of those so everyone um, are there any happy movies that you can think of that come to mind that we can you know kind of have a a little spark every now and again (laughs) well former episode of ours Before Sunrise right so far how do you not have you seen Before Sunrise I haven't actually no I it's bet so you Maddie good. probably hasn't seen it either. That's like I can guarantee she hasn't seen it. She romance movies, movies. That's oh, okay. got to be top of your list. Mm-hmm. I love a good. Is it like a rom com or like no? It's just straight like romance drama. Okay, I it's, wouldn't even call it a drama. It's, yeah, like look, it's very low on the melodrama, like barely. Yeah, it's super um, low key. The drama builds towards the end, like the final movie. The, yeah, it's at just, the end of the movie, that's when the drama starts. Snap. <laughs> But it's so good; it makes you feel amazing gotcha. at the end of it. It's a, it's a good, it's a good film about it, love. It's a very feel-good film. Yeah, it's very uplifting, and it gives you hope for for romance. So. I could use some hope. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'm uh, having a hard time thinking of a. Uh... I I got one off the top of my head. You're right; it kind of comes to you. Maybe not like the highest quality movie, but it makes me feel really good. 
I mean, Adam Sandler's Grown Ups. I mean, <laughs> it's, I wouldn't call it a good movie, but it definitely makes me feel good. I mean, I'm super surprised by that one. Really? I mean, especially a lot of classic Adam Sandler movies. I, was gonna, uh, yeah, I, I guess say, I'm more surprised with that Adam Sandler choice. Yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be my go to Adam Sandler choice. I mean, we got to throw out Billy Madison. Billy, my, I was my go to. But Grown Ups makes me feel Big good. Daddy. No, that Big is. Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. That is one Great of those movies choice. you watch. You're not, you're not there to watch it to like, dissect how like, no, amazing it's this like, movie's made. It just makes you want to take your family and your cousins and go to a lake house and be grown-ups. It's a good movie to take the kids to. That's a dad pick right there, bro. For sure. <laughs> and thank you for that one. I'll take the alley-oop. Uh, Punch Drunk Love. Oh. That's a really happy movie. With the Dude, ha- I haven't seen that film. I've never seen Punch Drunk Love either. I haven't seen it, actually. Oh, fuck. Oh, we suck. Paul hey. Thomas Anderson film. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, oh, it's one of, yeah. PTA? Mm-hmm. And Adam Sandler. In this oh. Role. Oh, yeah. I actually, yep. Come back to me now. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen I don't it. What no, you're no, talking no. of? I, if you like Adam Sandler, I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. He does a great okay. job in that movie. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. Um, Tyler, did you have a pick for um, Happy Films? I had Before Sunrise. Oh, oh, right, oh, I got another one too. If you want yeah. one more, sure. That one I mentioned before, but I'm trying to think of just a better one, real quick. Oh, I've got one. Yeah, there we go. The Lego movie. Yeah. I love oh. the Lego movie. So good. Oh, masterpiece. Up. Up. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that, that, talk I mean, about a, talk about highs and lows. <laughs> Start off with oh a real low God. in that one. What a fantastic movie, though. That one's a tearjerker, especially the first ten score minutes. Score in yeah. a movie of all mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Or, um, the main theme, fantastic. main score theme in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I cry every time I hear it. So good. I can only think of inverse. Like, what's the happy? What are happy movies? I'm like, Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to name all these heartbreaking movies. I don't know why. Movies that make you feel and like give you catharsis and yeah. just purge everything. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I I brought that up because like our filmography. Um, I think it could use a little bit of a, a shining light every now and again. Mm. Um, I mean, it's not too terrible you know i think we have really great selection it's just um we could use uh, a little bit of uh, diverse films when it comes to being happy and being uplifted you know <laughs> so um connor said earlier you were talking about your dad getting you in the movies what about what's the first movie like that like connor was saying or if you have more too like first movies that really got you hooked on mm. movies and this also uh, alludes into wanting to talk about the Matrix later. All right, that's one of the first movies I got showed, and I, that would be one I would say. Yeah, that like, uh, really got me into movies. Terminator Two: Judgment Day. It's <sighs> amazing. Yeah, my my dad had that on VHS, and he would play it like every Man. fucking day. And that would be I'd never watched the first one when I was growing up, and then I, I ended up watching that, and I was like, Yeah, Terminator Two: Judgment Day all the way. But the first one's great. It's fantastic, but. 100%. Classic. Just, uh, yeah, that's like the classic dad movie. And, uh, right. James Cameron, correct? I mean, he's yeah. master of the sequel as well, because mine might be Aliens growing up watching Aliens. Mm-hmm. Again, first one's amazing, but wow. <laughs> Great sequels. Hmm. Uh, mine, mine is connected to the, to the movie we watched for this episode, even, but uh, I always go back to being a little kid in a Hollywood video and in the anime section. Seeing uh, Ghost in the Shell, the cover, 
And I was like, oh, I remember being young. Like, oh, I want to I wanna rent that movie. That looks cool. I knew I couldn't because it was rated R, I believe. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, in junior high, we finally got cable. And I think I was watching Ovation. I think that channel's long gone. But, uh, yeah, they're doing, like, Animation Month, and I just caught Ghost in the Shell at the start. And that's one of those movies where I think the montage in the middle of the movie, and, like, it hit me. I'm like, oh, this is... This is different. This is a unique movie. It's like a higher art. When you're a kid, you're watching not that kind of stuff. And to this day, it's like easily top five. I just love the. Yeah, Ghost in the Shell is amazing. Wait, movies, shout out another former series. episode. Yeah, yeah. Patrick, I'm confused. Episodes. What is Blockbuster? <laughs> what is Hollywood video? <laughs> Relics of the past. <laughs> I only know Netflix. <laughs> I actually went to the last Blockbuster not that long ago, up in Oregon. Oh. Yeah, it was amazing. I asked the the man working there, I was like, how is it to be working at the last Blockbuster? He looked me dead in the eyes and he was like, kind of feels like I'm working at Blockbuster right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, touche, all right. <laughs> it was pretty wild. <laughs> There's a scene in Sopranos where uh, AJ's working at Blockbuster or like a portion of the show and I'm like, that's one of the reasons I love that show. It's so nostalgic. Yeah. Like, just the look of the show and all the clothes. And mm. he's working at Blockbuster with the same shit. He's like, fuck this shit. This sucks. <laughs> I remember being a kid and thinking it'd be the coolest job ever. Because they have the little TV playing yeah. all the time. And you could just hang out at the register and watch it. Yeah, I, I love Blockbuster because, yeah, my, to my relatives were like, rent movies and I would only like watch the movies that they're renting so I'd be like watching um like stealing Harvard or like Orange County like those movies are like the early to like late 90s like early 2000s films yeah (laughs) or like a not another teen movie like those films like growing up like just that camp yeah Blockbuster had the the camp on lock I remember being a kid and walking through the horror section too and just being traumatized by all the covers you know Chucky destroyed me as a child right even though I never watched it (laughs) until I was an adult that's crazy now because now we just uh, we're just browsing through like either Netflix or Amazon like just it's different going through those catalogs than like walking into a store and just browsing films like that's yeah, it's so different now. Yeah, I think there's too much. It's like a instant gratification. Like Netflix, I'll I'll scroll and I'll never pick anything. Right. I'll, I'll see shows and or movies. Like, oh, I remember that movie. That was good. And then I'm made happy remembering the movie instead of watching it. And then mm. I'll go to the next one. I'm like, oh, that, yeah, I remember that one too. That's cool. Yeah, there's just too much. I feel like uh, I don't know. It makes it seem not as special and. I think we were talking about uh, TikTok a little bit before the podcast, and I've noticed it in myself, but like my attention span has kind of been taking a hit recently, you know, and it's, I think we crave that instant gratification. So I think that's why I like movies a lot now, because it kind of demands your attention, you know, for at least an hour and a half. It says, you know, dissect me, look at this. So I think that's why I attach to movies a bit more. It kind of demands more of me, and I like to be there for the ride. Right, right. Um, and Tyler, so you said uh, you recently watched The Matrix, right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I watched The Matrix, like, every movie. I remember, like, that was another thing. Like, I just watched hella movies with my dad, too. Um, and, yeah, I watched them all in theaters. And I just remember them being, like, 
awesome from like all the action and stuff. Because you no, know, I forget what the first one came out in 1999. I was born in 95, so I probably actually, I probably didn't watch that in theaters. But I remember watching it as a kid, and I remember like going to see Reloaded and um, Revolutions. Like Revolutions, yeah. Which those I just watched. Uh, so I just watched the first Matrix last night, and I was like, just from the beginning, I was like blown away. I was like, holy shit, this is like so good, and it's like ahead of its time. Even now, like if that came out now, it would be ahead of its time. And they came out with that over 20 years ago. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just cool to see, like, especially revisiting it since, like, from something you watched as a kid. Catching, like, I don't know. I basically, you know, I probably processed, like, 20% or less of the (laughs) plot. Like, I don't remember how it ends at all. Or, like, I don't remember everything about uh, the humans, like, how they're created and, like, how they're, like, batteries and, like... Yeah. Holy shit, this is a world we could live in. This, yeah. We're in a simulation. <laughs> we're in a simulation inside a simulation. Not too far off. No, yeah, the Matrix is like a... And there's a lot of quotes, too. There's so there's many. so many freaking quotes. Like Morpheus, especially oh, yeah. like Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, especially, I don't know, I haven't seen the, the or rewatched the last two, but yeah, Lawrence Fishburne in the first one, it's just like his performance is... Like captivating, it's like iconic for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure iconic. Mm-hmm. That's a good word for it. What's he doing? He's beginning to believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, welcome to the desert of the real. Yeah. Like yeah. everything with the oracle and stuff too. And mm-hmm. the first, like I don't remember that at all. And I was like, oh fuck, like this is amazing. And I'm hyped now for the uh, for the sequel. Yeah. The fourth one. Have you guys seen Animatrix? Yes. I, I remember watching Animatrix. that with my dad too, and I remember. I was probably like 10 when that came out or I don't even know. And I remember it being like super gory, like yes. super like heavy, like fucked up and like being like kind of like traumatized as a kid. Like, <laughs> what the fuck am I watching? Oh yeah. I was going to say that's where the quote of, uh, what is it? Your flesh is a relic. Surrender it to us. I'm trying to remember exactly. But yeah, there's that great haunting. There's so many, yeah. And even that little, sh- it's like an intro to short films that's why i remember it as it also ties into uh upgrade too which i think upgrade is like a mix like a a matrix-esque film Mm. for sure it's like yeah it's like robocop matrix revenge film like the matrix and her put together stem Stem is uh scarlett johansson yeah (laughs) but way more deadly violent a little bit more of a toxic relationship (laughs) Um, but yeah, before we talk about Upgrade, um, yeah, I think, uh, we should talk about the Alec Baldwin, Helena Hutchins tragedy that happened, um, here like about a week ago. I didn't want to bring it up, but, um, more information came out since then. And yeah, I think I would be remiss if we didn't bring it up and, you know, make a quick mention of it because we do a film podcast and we do love films and we've worked on films before. So, um, yeah, what are you guys' reactions about this whole tragedy? But yeah, yeah, this whole, uh, film tragedy thing, it's like, yeah, it was, it's horrible, right? Um, somebody got hurt, uh, like, got killed on set and another person injured and it kind of speaks to how careless the film business can be when it comes to making films and just being able to take care of the crew and the actors and just everyone involved. Um, yeah, I think it's a very like 
sad and tragic story because you know a a person died, a wife, a mother, you know who yeah they had a, a long life ahead of them and um, yeah and it's a it's a very well known actor involved in the situation too and uh, you know he's, he's an actor executive producer on the film Rust and um, yeah I think that's very unfortunate that that has happened and that's taken um, taken over social media and everyone's quick to blame like such and such and it's just like it's just one of those films you know like you wouldn't have known about this film at all yeah. because it's so low budget super indie film but we know about it now because of the the tragedy that struck and um yeah just condolences to helen hutchins and her family and um yeah, and i hope alec baldwin gets through it because uh, you know it's hard to say like whose fault is whose fault right like yeah I think uh, a lot of people failed to do their job. You know, obviously I wasn't there and I'm not an expert on the matter, but uh, I think it's just a testament to uh, do your job properly and care and kind of stay humble and not let your guard down. You know, uh, films uh, are very intricate art and it involves hundreds of people. And I think everyone should be trying their hardest the whole time. And especially with firearms, you know, whether they're real or not, you should always treat them as real and, you know, because the worst could happen, as we've seen here. So, yeah, and I, I wish that uh, more of the reaction was condolences for her and her family, other than finger pointing. You know, people should be held accountable, but I think we need to understand that Alec Baldwin and this woman and everyone involved are still people. At the end of the day, you know, they're real people and who have been affected by this tragedy. Yeah, I think that was very well said. You know, because um, this thing could easily be turned into like some political debate about yeah. guns and, and whatnot. But, you know, just think of the people and, and how this could have been avoided. And yeah, it's a very uh, sensitive issue. And um, yeah, hope all is well. And, you know, the investigation finds what they're looking for and have a resolution to this whole thing. So, yeah, with that being said, let's jump into reviewing connor's pick connor you picked the film today mm -hmm. yeah i chose upgrade which a uh, 2018 film uh and it was lee Winnell. uh at first i thought it was james wan as the director because they're very buddy buddy they're kind of they go hand in hand they did saw and everything together and uh mm -hmm. I saw this theater, or I saw this movie in theaters in 2018, and I was uh, really captivated by it. I really liked it, and uh, you know, for reasons we'll dive into uh, further. I just I love the story, and uh, more than anything, I love the cinematography. That's what really drawed me into this movie, and yeah, I hope you all enjoyed it and enjoyed it as much as I did. Hi, everybody. Excuse me. Can I have everybody's attention? I know that some scumbag in here knows one of the guys who murdered my wife. His name's Cirque Brantner. So if you know Cirque, or if you know any information about the killing of my wife, if you could just raise your hand and uh, you know, stand up and come forward. Yeah, I digged it. Me and Connor watched it together uh, at the house. And uh, yeah, like the, what you were saying, the cinematography and like some, that some of the few, um, a few specific kills in this movie were yeah. awesome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there was, like, a lot of twists and turns. Like, it kept catching me off guard. And I loved the ending. The ending was uh, primo. <laughs> primo. Not, not a happy ending, but a, a good one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a very a good chef's ending. kiss. Yes. 
Yeah, I like the uh, on the cinematography. I liked when it's it's doing something unique with the motion tracking on the action. Uh, I think only one time it was kind of funny. I think when he's running, I think he's motion tracked as he's running like away from a villain, and something about it just reminds me of that Pennywise motion track <laughs> gift. He's dancing. The head oh stays. yeah. But everything else is cool. Like when the the camera moves with them, like getting up rapidly. So he's centered, but the whole world has motion. Yeah. Uh, I did really like that. Mm. And the, the fact they did it so much and only one time was kind of humorous is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah I, uh, yeah, I saw this one in theaters back in 2018, like you did, Connor. And um, yeah, I, I really, I much enjoyed it the second time even more so. And um, yeah, I have so much respect for Wenel. Because, uh, you know, he's probably known mostly for the Saul franchise and directing one of the Insidious films. Um, and I think Upgrade is probably the best film he directed. Uh, I know he did uh, The Invisible Man, but mm -hmm. Upgrade, yeah, that this film is totally watchable. I think it could be a classic in like 20 years from now, like The Matrix or something. But um, he has a good blend of like sci-fi and action and horror and thriller. Um, and the lead... Uh, Logan Marshall Green. Mm -hmm. I know some people like to make jokes that he's like a discount Tom Hardy, <laughs> but he's really good in the film. And um, yeah, just his reactions and in the situation that he's in, he does a really good job of like contorting his body yeah. to make it seem like he has no control in his situation. And just like the dialogue is so funny, like <laughs> or like his face, mm -hmm. like while Stem takes over and he's yeah. like, <laughs> mortified by the shit his body's doing. Yeah. yeah. That uh that first fight scene where he breaks into the house and uh, kind of the first time he lets Stem take over control, his just acting is so amazing. His face is just mortified as he's smashing dishes into this man's face and he's like, please stay down, please. Yeah, just I, A plus. I, yeah, I believe that scene, I, th I think when Le Winnell said that that was like a nod to Evil Dead. Oh, of like really? the, the smashing of the plates oh, and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Um, his hands possessed, I believe. I can mm. definitely see that. That's great. So I love that it's an homage or a nod to like other films in like the, the late seventies, early eighties, and like nineties action films. So you can tell this man loves films. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, for our late film audience, those who don't know what Upgrade is, it's very low key film. I don't think it's that wi widely known. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is about a man who gets paralyzed in the hospital after um, a mugging leaves him, uh, well, it leaves him injured and his wife dead. So a billionaire inventor soon offers him a cure, an artificial intelligence implant called STEM that will enhance his body. Now that he's able to walk, he has superhuman strength and agility, skills he uses to seek revenge against the thugs who destroyed his life. Very good. Yeah, I like the, what captivated me about this film in the beginning. Uh, it, it opens to the, the main character uh, working on a car in his garage, and he's working on this old Firebird, and it kind of establishes his character right away. He's very old school. He loves practical technology, and at this point in the film, you don't even realize that it's set in the future. He's just in his garage, and then he steps out, and kind of does a wide shot, and his wife rolls up in this kind of like Tesla looking automatic car and, and then you realize that it's kind of in the far future or maybe the not so far future and uh, yeah I think that was just a great opening a way to describe his character as very old school not into technology right. he's yeah. like let's uh, let's make a real pizza not 
make yeah, a yeah yeah uh, yeah his wife's like let's print a pizza oh yeah let's yeah, not yeah. let's make a real pizza not print one yeah and she's like oh this seems like a lot of work and you know as i was talking about <laughs> right. earlier with my attention span kind of getting shot by tiktok and instant gratification i, I like this because it seems pretty far tech but it also doesn't seem that far off i mean we are advancing pretty fast technologically yeah, it does a good job of establishing the the period, the time period that you're in. And like you said, it's not too far off from like the present day. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was very well said. Mm-hmm. I like the, uh, uh, this, this, uh, there's a lot of inspirations with this film reminded me of a lot of other cyberpunk films. But like, uh, I was trying to, I was kind of being tongue in cheek with the hallway. But uh, when it opens with a car, I immediately started like putting on my, uh, what is it, uh, overanalyzing helmet, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that's uh, the main character is introduced with the machine car, mm. and uh, the the body as a machine piloted by the driver, uh, machinist philosophy as the the human beings as machines and all that. I was like, oh, it's, I wonder <laughs> if it was intentional. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, because it's like literally in a top. It's a when you drive long enough. I have a new job where I drive a lot and at a certain point it feels like an extension of your body and yeah. you just like I'm I'm like Ryan Gosling getting out of a driveway now <laughs> I can park like a pro <laughs> and I feel like I've been made into a robot a bit by yeah. that that's why yeah I was like oh I, I like the intro for like the little like why are the drapes blue moment and I'm just sitting yeah. here like, oh the, digging this? into it yeah it can be completely unintentional mm. it's about the class the Underberg classic stuff yeah old school masculine in this new techno future i think you do have a point there though pat like because he is very old school very traditional he has a car that isn't operated by something else you know he he traditionally operates it manually but his wife has a car that is operated not even by her own means you know so um, i thought about that a lot in, in the film and, and how like or even like the detective character that comes in like she doesn't um, investigate manually. She has a computer that does that for her. And we'll we'll talk more about that in spoilers. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there yeah there are a lot of things that people do in the film that are like either because they're modified or they use some kind of technology that helps them figure things out. Um, but I like that our hero, or I guess our hero or antihero, whatever you want to call him. Um, yeah, when he gets this technology. Um, yeah, it's new to him. It's very like fish out of water story. So, yeah. should we just dive in? Yeah, um, yeah. So let's um, let's t- let's give a review. So Connor, I don't if you're you're new. So um, we typically give a rating out of five. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's uh, yeah let's just give our ratings. Um, who wants to go first? Uh, I've seen this film twice already, so I want to know who uh, Tyler was. Our first time seeing yeah, the film. Yeah, yeah, I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, damn, I feel like I always go first, and then I always want to change my rating. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four out of five. Four out of five off the first watch. Um, like this movie's like I feel like a great uh, example of like. Because obviously, I don't think this movie had like a huge budget, right? Uh, five and, uh, million dollars. Yeah, like James yeah. Wan, like got that's how he made it, you know, mm-hmm. off a of saw with that super low budget. So yeah. I think they're like masters of the low budget film because this movie's like, you know, it's like a great mixture of like like John Wick, The Matrix, yeah. like that's. I think I even told you that when we were watching it. I was like, dude, this is like 
like a kind of a better version of John Wick. Yeah. Like a little more chill, like not as many headshots. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a specific few when he snaps that guy's arm. Oh my God. You love that scene. Yes. That's a great scene. I like topped up off the couch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was just like a fun movie to watch. And I think it's it brings up good conversation of like, because this is a super near future. Mm-hmm. Super near future. And it's scary. It makes you afraid of technology. It's like technology is our biggest threat, almost. Definitely. Um, but yeah, four out of five. Because I think the only reason I give it a four out of five is because I don't think there's any part of this movie that really like straight up blew me away. I guess. Whereas like with possession, when we watch Possession, like I may, I I would much rather rewatch Upgrade than Possession. But Possession had me like, you know, like thinking about that movie for like five days straight <laughs> after whereas this movie like I was like you know it stuck with me but like not like that mm-hmm. so that's the only reason for a four out of five and I'll probably change it once I hear the rest <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go next uh, I am a huge maybe not the biggest fan but I love cyberpunk as a genre and that's where I think it hurt my opinion of the movie mm-hmm. i liked the stylistic stuff they're going for but the plot and the general i'm trying to think of how to phrase this the plot the setting and a lot of the uh execution of the environment uh was very lacking and especially the plot all right i was just constantly reminded of uh like uh i don't know if you guys have played deus ex human revolution like right away at the start, I was like, "Oh, it's like it's like Deus Ex." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh, the car is like from this." The aesthetics of it, for yeah, sure. The hexagons yeah. and the orange mm-hmm. and black and all this other stuff. Where I just I was sitting there like, "Oh, like I've seen other stuff go in similar environments and way deeper." And I know not every film has to do that, but like I was literally, I think I was like a ninety percent accuracy on calling out what's gonna happen in the <laughs> like even down to the details of how he's like directly injured mm-hmm. like oh like oh there's no gunshot i mm-hmm. i literally am like what was that and i thought of no country for old men and i was like oh is it that what that was <laughs> yeah okay i caught that too i caught yeah, that you I knew did, that when I knew we I watched like, that you said it right away yeah. yeah and but then pat he, is the king of the babe ruth but a part, of, call it. a part of it is like the plot has like <laughs> There's only like four or five central, central characters. Mm-hmm. So when you're sitting there and like, oh, who's, what's the, what was the real motivation for this, the mugging that kickstarts the whole plot and narrative? There's only like, there's only two other characters to pick from of like, it's either this person or this person because we've literally seen no one else yeah. or there's no under hints mm-hmm. about who else it could be. And so, yeah, so the villain looking guy is the villain. And then it kind of subverts that. Uh, but yeah, this film has a lot of breathing room, and I was sitting there with Holly saying, like, oh, what, like, how's it truly gonna end? Is this gonna happen? Is there gonna be, like, a big moral choice about, like... So do you like that when you're, like, constantly guessing? I like <laughs> when I'm guessing, but then when I see it, the payoff, and if it's, like, oh, I didn't like that as much <laughs> you as... kind of expecting more, you're yeah. like, oh, that's it. Okay. Not more, but, like, oh, like, you can go so here. So did you not here, enjoy here. the ending? I did not enjoy the ending, and this, <sighs> the second ending started, I was like, okay, I, I fully checked out by then. Huh? Yeah, well, the with the uh, the introduce the, when they introduced the chip has a voice and personality, mm-hmm. 
And I was like, oh, cool. They could have the chip show him stuff. The ch- like, I'm like, I was thinking of contact where his wife could be walking around because the chip can mm. send sensory information to his brain that makes him perceive her there or anything else happening. I was waiting for the like robot to show up as another version of himself or something or like, because if he can control what he hears through his neural aspects, mm-hmm. he can tr- control what he sees, what he thinks. I was like, oh, is he going to go deep on that? Is it going to be like, or is there going to be a big choice of like, do I avenge this? But also give up a part of himself. I was like, is the chip gonna take over as he's getting revenge? And it's parallel to how revenge doesn't get you happiness. I was like, oh, and he, or is he losing himself in revenge? I think Holly said it'd be great if he got like progressively amnesia as he was getting revenge, and at the end he could be killing the boss. And he's like, oh, I don't remember why I'm killing him. Mm. And it's just like, oh, because the corporate whatever overlords are just—he's now an assassin for them. Yeah. But he still believes he's on a noble mission of revenge. But yeah, so we're sitting there going back and forth. And then the movie ends. It's like, oh, okay. But yeah, that's I'm I'm trying to justify my low score, not just being mean. <laughs> no, I get it, honestly. But yeah, that was my thoughts. Two yeah. out of five. Two out of five. Two out of five. Yeah, for me, um, yeah, I like this film much more the second viewing. Uh, I, I liked it quite a bit on the first time I saw it in theaters, but um, seeing it again, I'm like, yeah, I'm really loving it. I love the, like, I guess the B-movie revenge nature mm-hmm. of it. I know there's low budget, so I didn't have, like, high expectations or um, on the film. I mean, Patrick, I do agree with you. There is, like, some central characters or, like, well, there's not too many times where you can tie it back to anybody else. You're like, oh, it's going to be a huge plot twist, right? <laughs> um, but I, th- I thought that the, the payoff was worth it. Um, Yes, yeah, so you can kind of predict that at the end, but I think there was so much more than that. Uh, you know, this man losing himself to something that he just never thought he would get into. You know, like um, I mean, we we'll get more to more into it in the spoilers, but we know that he lost a lot of motivation in his life because of the you know losing his wife, and um, yeah, I just like the the special effects were really great for. Mm-hmm what we had for a five million dollar film and yeah i think the film just looked very sleek i like how stylish it was the the camera work was done really well i like that it seemed like it's attached to our character to when he does like uh, when he's like mobile or he's in action it's just done really well i thought um it's very unique uh, i haven't seen that done very much in films um yeah, and the action sequences were really fun and hilarious. Um, yeah, and, and you know, like what Tyler said earlier, it's not doing too much like a John Wick where like so many people are like just getting dropped left and right. Um, I like that they took its time uh, in every sequence where um, violence is happening because it's very important. And like the they fact bring that- in gore at mm-hmm. like the best times. Right. I feel like it's very effective when it does happen when he does have to hurt somebody it's yeah I, I just cringe a little bit um but yeah I thought uh, yeah I thought the movie was really, really well done um Logan Marshall Green did a good job um yeah very evil dead like and like the, yeah combination of the Matrix and Robocop I just I just looked to those movies you know like it didn't have to be unnecessarily like crazy in it's plot thread it didn't have to do too much and uh, I like that a lot so um yeah 3.75 out of 5 and Connor? Yeah, I definitely uh, 
Don't I let, agree with don't the, let the low scores change your score. Oh no, no, I agree with all of you. I think you're all on the money because I, watching this, I bounced between a three and a four. So, uh, for many reasons, I think uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the five million dollar budget. I think Lee Winnell and James Bond. I think they almost thrive in a low budget kind of space. Uh, like with Saul, that's kind of what kicked them off. I'm sure there's a very profitable franchise because they just had a couple of rooms and couple of saws and they, and they made a lot of money with it you know and uh so i think it kind of pushed them to be creative with what they wanted to tell and what they do so i think with this movie it's simplicity is its strength uh we're, we're following this man who's kind of just a victim of this situation and you know he goes through these things and i, I think you're right it could have gone a lot deeper in some aspects but I, but i think they were kind of wanted to stick surface level with it and uh and tell a very simple story which is why i like it so i think i would give it a 3.5 uh it's got everything i would like it's got good gore uh fun acting and uh it just tells a very simple story and doesn't try to do much more than that and it, it just leaves you with an ending that does make you think about okay like what's what's next you know and, and it kind of makes you think about the implications of uh how integrated technology is in our everyday life now which is i mean it's funny because we were talking about the matrix not too long ago it's <laughs> It's kind of a talking point that's been talked to death, you know, which is why I think that I like they, they kind of kept it simple with this one. So, yeah, I, I think it's a solid 3.5. It's de- by no means a masterpiece, but it's a it's a fun movie. It's it's a short, fun movie that I love to, to watch. It's easily digestible. All right, I'm changing it to a 2.5. <laughs> I'm still going to keep my four. I like this movie. Yeah, I like it a lot. So yeah, let's just dive right into mm-hmm. just talking about spoilers and... I don't know how you found me, but you shouldn't be here. You killed my wife. No, I didn't do that. That was someone else. It doesn't matter! You'll need to be a little faster than that. Why are you making me do this? Let me know if you need my help, Grace. Stop! Help! I need your permission to operate independently. Permission granted! Thank you. Yeah, this movie is freaking bonkers. Yeah. I will not, if I ever own a Tesla, I will not use the self-driving feature. Yeah, ever. That's I mean, what I wanted to bring up. Yeah. No. 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 Well, yeah, they already have a high body count. Yeah. Well, yeah. What if, uh, yeah. And then you get hackers involved with someone mm-hmm. just wants wants to be a dick and hack your car I mean that was the catalyst of this whole movie you know uh, yeah. it loses control which they already do that <laughs> it's been a couple killings so it's, it's like oh this guy's gonna he's gonna spill the beans on Dutch Bank and then he drove his car 120 into a wall on the freeway in Germany convenient yeah. <laughs> very convenient yeah no I'm good and that point is I think why I like this movie so much it's so tragic this guy was like anti-tech didn't trust it didn't want it and then he found himself after this you know, this not so accident, this car crash, he, he became a quadriplegic and he was 100% reliant on technology even before he got the implant, you know, his house had the arms making protein shakes for him and he was in the chair and, uh, I don't know. I really liked it a lot because right after this movie, COVID happened. And, uh, I think this movie has a very accurate and good depiction of isolation and depression. And, uh, this man lost everything and he was incredibly depressed and sad. And I was like watching it after the fact, after COVID and everything, I was like, oh, wow. Like there's a lot of relevant things here, you know, like, uh, when the main kind of Mark Zuckerberg type character, I think, I think his name is Aaron walked into the hospital with the mask on, like he looked odd and weird, but like now that's so normal to see people with a mask. 
or uh, you know, going into spoilers kind of later when uh, Fisk, the main cyborg bad guy, kills a bartender with a sneeze. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's pretty <laughs> no, relevant. No, I, yeah, that was yeah. a couple instances where I thought, yeah, that's that's totally like relevant to COVID. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty weird because I was like, like almost new. Yeah, I was like right before it happened, and then I'm seeing all these similarities. But um, no, yeah, just very, <laughs> yeah, he he played it really well. The it was just very gutting and, and sad that he was a victim of the situation, and he did, wasn't even about technology, you know. I like that you touched on Connor the uh, one of the new perspectives I got talking with you guys is that uh, I wasn't putting enough emphasis on the main character's reluctance mm. but it's a great uh, parallel to like living in our current society like if you want a job yeah. you, you gotta have an online presence you yeah. gotta be integrated you gotta become a part of the machine mm. and I think the film does a great job of showing that his uh as a character, he goes from from flat out reluctance to necessity, to uh, dependence, yeah. and then he's not himself anymore in the end. And that's a very yeah. I didn't pick up on that aspect of the through line of his character. That's a good observation. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like uh, last year, I you know I went for like a year deleting Instagram and getting off social media, but the amount of hesitation and reluctance I got from deleting an app on my phone was was crazy. <laughs> you know because you do think about networking and getting jobs or, you know, like it's right. very, it's very real now. And it, it happened very quickly. It's, you feel attached to it you for do. some reason, right? Some emotional attachment or yeah. sentimentalness to just an app. You're mm-hmm. like, Oh man, I don't know. If, you know, like I'm going to miss out on something, you know, yeah. the FOMO, right? So exactly. Very interesting. Yeah. I had like a chick today at my bar today. Actually, she left her phone and I remember I was saying, I was like, Oh, she'll be back in like two minutes. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, nobody can go without their phone for more than two minutes. I was mm-hmm. like, she's going to get to her car and realize she doesn't have her phone. She's going to come back in here and get her phone. And then she didn't come back. Oh, wow. But then she came back like probably an hour later. Cause she got all the way back to work. And she, then that's when she's like, I don't know how I didn't realize I didn't have my phone <laughs> until I got to work. Like that never happens. I should have known right away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, see, that's what I said. I was like, <laughs> I thought you were going to come right back. Yeah. So I say we're not far off. I mean, yeah. practically there. I mean, yeah, it's integrated into our lives pretty heavily at this point. It's Even like, with the whole instant gratification thing mm-hmm. too, like we were talking about earlier, like, well, I think that's another central theme of the movie. and Like it, choosing a movie on Netflix is so hard sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You or don't have, you know, a podcast mm-hmm. to do on it. But if you, if you go to the... Watch a movie to watch a movie. If you go to the store, then you are then you have to grab something, right? Because you went there for a reason. Yeah. So it's not like when you're scrolling on Netflix, you just end up not watching something, right? But if you go to, like, Blockbuster yeah. or whatever, you're, yeah. you're just going to end up picking something, and then you're going to end up watching it anyway because you paid for it. So... Well, even then, Blockbuster, though, like same thing no I think physically browsing you're like it's more of an experience yeah you're present and like Richie said you're not gonna waste time unless there's absolutely nothing but I didn't mean like waste time but it was like this I guess more so I'm trying to say is it was more it was fun Mm -hmm. when you were like at a physical like Hollywood video or blockbuster whereas now it's just like it's almost frustrating you're like fuck I can't fucking find a movie (laughs) too many options you don't want to waste your time I mean you just put on your watch list and then you're like "Eh, I'll get to that later yeah Do you want to kind of tackle this movie like chronologically or should we jump all over the place? Should Yeah, I mean, we can, I guess, kind of shoot from the hip, right? Whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, we kind of go like 
all over the place. I like it. No, definitely. I, I, I like the first action sequence when he, the first time he uses them. That's probably my favorite part of the, <sighs> the movie. The knife kill. I want to spoil that like um, in 30 minutes ago. Definitely my favorite part of the movie, Ooh. I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it, it just goes back to that cinematography, like when a... Uh, you know, you, you visually see when Stem is controlling his body versus, you know, when he is quote unquote controlling his body because Stem is allowing him to. But uh, like you said earlier, like the world is moving around him kind of like he is the central piece. And actually uh, earlier today, I researched kind of how they did that. And I believe in this scene and for other certain scenes, they actually got a rig, you know, a, a gyro stabilization rig and a camera. And they actually had an iPhone app that he wore on his body and it was able to track you know oh. his movement so just super creative Damn. interesting cinematography okay. and he was able to move like that and his physical acting was just great how he's moving his head right. out of the way you know because stem can't control his head right and uh just he's appalled as he's smashing dishes into this guy's face and then yeah it leads to <laughs> it leads to that knife kill and oh that's that, such a classic the joker scene. smile Comes kill out. like just out of nowhere yeah though. and you're like oh wow shit just got real when <laughs> he yeah, they're it's wild. The gore at just the it, perfect time. Yeah, they're very uh, restrained with it until they're not. <laughs> it's just like bam, and I yeah. love the practical effects I, of it. Yeah, I like how Stem is advising him to make certain actions. So he's like, "Oh, I hide behind the shelf," and then when he when the the guy walks into the room. Um, one of the, the the culprits that murdered his wife he's like mm. all right there's your opportunity this is like the the you know the best advantage you have and he's like what am i supposed to do yeah. you know and yeah that was so funny and just like the the implications that stem wanted from him was basically to murder this guy right yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when he takes over yeah it's just <laughs> so like it makes it seem so effortless and the choreography was so well done so. yeah i wanted to say to the matrix influence he does the neo get up yeah she's gone like three times <laughs> yeah. yeah and then yeah with that when stem takes over that's one of those things uh with the motion on him alone it's one of those things where it connects to the central plot of the world moves around stem because mm. stem's the new center and all that yeah. other great stuff that's actually very true yeah but yeah i just love the he just I, the second I happened, I was like, ah, yeah, it's like, Matrix. Let's, yeah, a hundred percent. You can see the inspirations from it, which, and especially with you talking about like Deus Ex, like the inspirations from that. I think, I think this wasn't a film that wasn't trying to be its own thing, but almost like a love letter to the cyberpunk genre, or, oh. or maybe like a slice of life, you know, because right. it wasn't doing crazy big things, but it was just this one isolated story, and yeah, that's why I like it. Yeah, I think the gore connects too. I know there's a lot of body horror mm. with the handguns that are handguns. Exactly. Yeah. Well, after this first kill, uh, they show them dissecting his body, and he's got all the cybernetics are at his body, and mm -hmm. yeah, the literal handgun where you load it into the arm, and yeah, I like that commentary about like how we can modify our bodies now, mm. um, to like, yeah, for our I guess our advantage, I guess for how we look, or I don't know. I mean, it's more for I guess like a being a, a military soldier purpose in this film or uh even to what's it called uh yeah they do that for like for their cars or for their house mm. and stuff all that everything is connected and you're modified in some way it's an integration of man and machine mm -hmm. and and i guess uh gray trace i think that's his name right he's like natural so he doesn't do modifications he, he drives a traditional car yeah. and i yeah i love that aspect of the film because um you know, it's, it's relatable. Like, you know, you, you don't want to 
get too attached to technology, but you also like, you know, uh, want to keep your distance. Yeah. And that makes it more tra- tragic for me too, because by the end of the film, you realize like that is precisely the reason Stim chose him because he had no augmentations at all. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, this is like a pure body where nothing will be influencing my influence on him, which is just so sad <laughs> to me. Right. It's like scary. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just wild that it was all planned and choreographed like that and like he was his host that he wanted you know right it's, it's funny like, that you just did possession because this is kind of a possession movie in its yeah, own it's right a, too it's like seeing kim kardashian date Pete davidson <laughs> <laughs> yeah something's going on there right <laughs> are they really dating i didn't know that yeah what i thought he was with like they were spotted at a oh, disney all the chicks dude dude there's something about that like e-boy look that's just popping <laughs> off right now <laughs> he's like the, yeah, the natural natural like non-modified yeah, person and she's not, like the oh i'm all about the modifications she, and stuff she for sure is modified yeah, so like that's yeah. like the total yin yang yeah <laughs> that is too funny <laughs> So you're saying Kim Kardashian's an agent of the machines. 100%. It's trying to corrupt our pure man. Absolutely. Okay. Pete's going to have a dump truck by the end of the year. He's going <laughs> oh to have like some fake like six pack or 100%. something and like plastic biceps yeah. or something. Silicone biceps. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Wild. Uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, Fisk, the villain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved, I absolutely loved in the cyberpunk setting to have like a British look. He looks like he's from the <laughs> a- British campaign in Africa in World War Two. Yeah, he straight wow. looks like a. I forget the Tommy. I would have been the purest like World War Two English soldier. Didn't even think about that, but totally, his whole look. He had a very unique look. Yeah, yeah. got that mustache. That mustache, kind of like yeah. the tucked-in shirt, the yeah. almost polo-looking shirts. Yeah, like a, he's like a literal colonizer, military man. I he think, just looks like a killing machine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a good uh, observation for me actually. That he's a colonizer because when they kind of have their fight towards the end, uh, he's just talking like. He has some very interesting implications where he's like, you're a member of my race now. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, we are the upgraded, we are the evolved, you know, and he kind of gets into these, like, race ethics now where he views himself as him and his uh, compadres that uh, our, our main character ends up eliminating throughout the course of the movie, but he, he sees himself as ascended and better, uh, which is very interesting, actually, that, yeah. that you saw those, like, British World War II uh, colonizing parallels to that. It's actually interesting. Yeah, I, I very much love the like undercover quadriplegic um, <laughs> plot where yeah. he has to like pretend, and you know I love the, like the, the, he's like the underdog. So in every situation, like no, no, nobody can see him as a threat. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's like my favorite aspect of this story. Um, just him like uh, being able to uh, weed out. The, the, the criminals that killed his wife and mm-hmm. just um, just the way they looked down on him and then for him to come out of the bathroom after torturing someone to death because <laughs> yeah. uh, they just rolls like, out of there because yeah, the bartender's like oh yeah you know my, my, my family taught me to never to pick on a, a disabled person yeah. and he comes out like this the victor that's so funny yeah well when he first rolled into the bar you mm-hmm. know he like he like has a guy hand him a whiskey and he drinks it through his straw and then he's like alright I'm looking for the guy who killed my wife like speak up you know and everyone laughs at him and you know that whole plot line of the detective kind of like you know she's onto him the whole time and she even types it in her computer like 
okay, he was here when this guy died, you know, he was in the neighborhood and the computer's like, okay, well, he's a quadriplegic. Like, there's no way, you know? Right. But her, her human intuition is telling her like, okay, something is happening here. You know, he's around all these. And mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting too. That's a good point you bring up because like, even though she uses the technology, she uses her, the, the human spirit to tell her like where to go. Right. And mm-hmm. so she's almost kind of similar to him. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. So. And uh, I mean, when they have their chase scene too, like uh, St- Stem couldn't take control of her car either because it was right. a gas powered car, you know? Uh, so yeah, I think she's very much a parallel to his character. And mm-hmm. we see in the, in the climax of the movie that she was kind of like literally the last bastion be- before right, Stem right. kind of does his right. own thing, you know? Yeah. Can we spoil the ending? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think, no, I think we're no. already there. Yeah, yeah pretty, pretty much. <laughs> I was just okay maybe this movie didn't uh, I thought this had like a lot of twists but I think at the end I was surprised by the ending of uh, were you kind of thinking it was going to be the, I the Mark was, Zuckerberg he was behind it the whole time yeah or I yeah. thought it was going to just turn him like he was going to get stem out of him and he mm. was going to just like come to terms with being like quadriplegic or whatever but yeah I'm stem no. just stem lives on and I love that and I'm it's cool to like it's cool to think of like the outcomes that happen after the movie yeah it's like i guess maybe they set it up for a sequel but i don't know if that's really a probably won't a happen but it did leave it open-ended yeah. it's kind of well I, I think uh kind of the point of the movie was earlier uh you know uh, the the main what we think is a bad guy the creator of stem is trying to hack and shut him down and he goes to this underground hacker to you know get him out of access and not accessing that and uh while they're in that warehouse there's all these people in vr you know and they're all drugged up so they can do vr for days and our main character remarks he's like well why would someone want to live in a fake world you know and then the hacker is like well sometimes the fake world is a lot less or a lot less pain painful than the real world you know and uh at the end of the movie you know his mind kind of breaks and you know he's in his fake world and stem even remarks he's like he's happier now you know and he kind of goes to that fake world which Again, kind of these COVID parallels, you know. I guess I th- that's that's another reason reason I, I think I like the ending is because STEM, I feel like, shows compassion. Where STEM, I feel like STEM could have just, I don't know, STEM could have not have gave him, like, that perfect, like, dream yeah. world with his wife, like, after true. the crash. Very to true. To where, like, I thought they were going to play, like, the... F- I was like, there's no way they're doing the old, like, like fucking... This is oh, all a dream. dream. Yeah, 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 like, right. motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that would have dropped it to a one for but sure. Then it flips to Stem just controlling his body. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, like, Speaking I kind of fucked with that ending. Like, because, I mean, what would you do if you were his character? Would you rather just, like, to not have control of your body and just, like, watch all the fucked up shit Stem does? Or just... At that live point, in your just own live paradise. in your own yeah. paradise. Yeah, even head. though it's a it's a fake one, you know. It's yeah, yeah, and I, I I see the the parallels to the Matrix as well yeah, because yeah, yeah, there is because I just watched yeah. yeah the first one last night where mm-hmm. the um I mean I guess this is spoiling the Matrix it's a Matrix spoiler but uh yeah, it's twenty three years, years. Yeah. Yeah. Ralphie's character it. from uh, Sopranos I forget the oh, actor's yeah. name it's like Joe Joe Cas I didn't yeah. realize how many Pantolini. movies he was in like he's very famous he's in the Matrix too yeah oh really. Um, he played Cypher. Yeah, he plays like um, the like the rat. I want to wake up. I don't remember nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I want to be. I want to be a big wig. I want to be like. I want to be someone important. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, shit. The life that they live, like that, almost sounds like it's. It's hard to say. I wouldn't do the same. Yeah. Honestly, right? You know. Like, I mean, 
I mean, I think shit got really real for a lot of us last year, too. And I think right. it's a very sobering moment where it's like, oh, kind of like maybe I don't want to be in the real world as much, <laughs> you know? It's hard to say that I wouldn't do the same. Yeah, I mean, if you reach like the low point in your life, like like what happened with COVID or, or any point in your life, right? Like, why wouldn't you want to just have this fantasy world that you can do whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. You have the freedom you want. And a lot of it, it's like in your head. And um, I mean, hey, yeah, if you're living in the real world of the Matrix, I mean, nobody wants to live in that world. Like nobody. Yeah. Right? You don't want to eat chowder or whatever <laughs> they're eating they all day. Like- like soggy rice krispies <laughs> that aren't sugary at all and they're evading like these like squid Terrifying bots or something bots, like these yeah. tentacle bots whatever that is yeah. um yeah you're just in fear of your life like all the time and yeah i mean it's that's totally reasonable and and, and so great trace living in that paradise where he could see his wife again mm-hmm. like damn yeah i liked it because it was like a happy ending that wasn't a happy ending <laughs> yeah that's a rare feat to achieve very you know? dismal to dual ending almost yeah i was yeah. waiting for him to wake up so i was thinking of the matrix again with the, i think agent smith in the first movie talks about uh there's the matrix before the matrix in the movie that's like, oh, was a perfect utopia mm. yeah he's like yeah but you humans you guys can accept that you need suffering and pain yeah. in the matrix and in the real world and that's why we made this like our modern world is their matrix so when he was at the happy ending with his wife i was like waiting for like the last bastion of humanity or mm. something for it to pull him out will it last really yeah that too yeah like how long is he gonna be able to stay there before because he, he clearly suddenly... remembered something at the end like something was off he was like wait what like i mean that's a very good I am? that's a very good point you just made because could he have like a like a mental battle with stem in yeah the sequel Something maybe, like that. Maybe. Well, my question is, like, how does he keep the body functioning? Because Stem's still got to eat, you know? He's in an organic yeah. body. Unless he's been he just injured plenty mo- times. Unless he gets more modifications, <laughs> he just get, like, feeding tubes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's where I didn't... This Again, the parallels to Ghosts in the Shell. Mm-hmm. That's where, like, when Stem chose Grey as the host, there's, like, clear parallels to Ghosts in the Shell with the uh, Puppet Master and mm. Matoko. Where I was like... But in Ghost in the Shell, they explain it a little more about, like, their two consciences merging allows for the AI to replicate with variations, which is different than a copy or whatever. The, they kind of just hand wave it away, like, this is this will work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, one, yeah this one, I, I get he's pure and therefore not corruptible through mm-hmm. his cybernetic aspects. But, like, he's also, Stem's also taken on a physical form. Yeah. Maybe he's connect, connected to a cloud. Does think of like what's the difference of having gray at all then if he has a cloud per body as well? Yeah, like is he gonna put himself in other people? Is that the yeah? I do want to see the, the sequel. Yeah. What, what, what's the end yeah. goal for STEM? It's like okay, you're a person now, now, now what? And yeah, like, are, he, are you, yeah, if, but if gray dies, mm-hmm. STEM is exactly STEM how do you get out of his? Yeah, yeah, well, he, he killed mm-hmm. the creator so he couldn't create another STEM, like that's why he created it. So yeah. his goal wasn't more STEM, so yeah, I don't know, it's very open ended, yeah. That was, yeah, that was one of those things. I was like, why do you... I, I get he's not corrupted with other technology, mm. but I was like, why gray still? Are you doing a hive mind? Yeah. Thing? Are you doing this, this? Mm. But it's not essential to the plot. Mm-hmm. It's just something I was like, oh, I was wondering. It makes you think. Yeah. Well, I really liked how you brought up, especially with the Matrix, of like how like there has to be conflict or there has to... Like, you can't be a perfect utopia. It's like, you know, talking about would we want to live in the Matrix or whatever. It's like, I don't know, maybe would we? Do we want perfection? And I think that ties in with you, like, 
asking us what our happy movies were we all were kind of stumped and Do we, we couldn't really on drama exactly it's like we so couldn't really people are just like yeah i don't hang out with them because they're just like always drama <laughs> exactly sure. i mean i think like we need that drama. balance i don't know there's something about the human condition where we need conflict and drama and i don't know what that is it's very philosophical but uh we're like yeah. struggle struggle mm-hmm. yeah if things are perfect then i guess we just get complacent yeah i want a sequel <laughs> Who stems like a techno fascist Hitler? Oh shit! And then Gray Wolfenstein. Like Wolfenstein. But no, Gray Gray escapes through his whatever stuff, Shoot. and then it's like he woke up as Hitler. Oh you, yeah, what's the? So what's the, the resolution the sequ- to the that? sequel oh. name is going to be Downgrade. Downgrade. <laughs> yeah. so downfall. Oh, <laughs> or downfall. Oh. <laughs> or too fast to upgrade. <laughs> But yeah, no, I just I just thought of that when we were talking. Yeah. <laughs> and and Tyler, your favorite scene, obviously we, we touched on oh, earlier, yeah. was the head explosion. I, scene. I'd say a top, top maybe I don't know. The I'd gun like arm was a very really cool concept. Through, but yeah, I'd say top five. Yeah. Like execution in I mean, a movie I've ever seen. He literally had tickets to the gun show. You know, he snaps <laughs> his snaps his arm yeah. and then like turns his hand inwards to his face, his hand mm. with the handgun. And blows his yeah for the for the listeners out. the the antagonists they're these soldiers who are wounded in war and they've been augmented to have a gun like physically implanted in their arm so they shoot it out of their palm and yeah our, our main character breaks one of their arms and puts the palm to his head and just like it looks like a watermelon exploding in, in blood it's a very cool practical effect I love it and it's super it's super <laughs> unexpected they don't yeah go, like gory like, like that oh. like, like, with the knife kill too it's just like yeah. okay like some cool like headshot here headshot there. Face punch, blah blah blah. Yeah. Boom! Your whole face very gets visceral, very from a knife. Yeah. And stem, stem's Shotgun like, oh, to you, the face. You have no like, way out, whoa. but here, I got this. Yeah. I'll show you. I'll show you how to end this. Yeah. <laughs> it's very surgical. Very just boom done, like a computer would do. It's just neutralize the threat. Yeah. Yeah, and it's important they show that so it doesn't. That's one of those debates of violence in movies and romanticized versus mm. realistic. When he just like two shots the guy with the high caliber at point blank with his arm hand. Yeah. And it's like he's reduced to nothing. Yeah. There's no face yeah. left. And it's like, oh, damn. Those guns of that similar <laughs> power exist. And there's way more damaging guns. Yeah. And it's not like a movie where someone gets shot and they go, oh, and they grab their stomach. Yeah. And, and then they fall down in a dramatic fashion. Yeah. Or they just yeah. collapse and there's no blood. And the light leaves them. Yeah. It's good to see realistic horror inducing gore i think it is important to show how horrifying like real mm-hmm. trauma is and and on the flip note on a much more service level i just love gore in my movies too yeah. like it, yeah i think both are important the, the effects are so well done it's <sighs> so practical effects will is yeah it feels real <laughs> for i'm sure. not a big gore guy either with the last two movies horror and gore yeah i'm starting to dig it i think it's if it's a, just gore for sake of gore it kind of loses its effect but like in this when it's kind of surprising or you know it's Make not it the subtle. point yeah if, if the point Throughout. isn't the gore if it's Sprinkle just an enhancer in. yeah you gotta use it sparingly but when you use it yeah it's like salt you just need to just, just, just a little just, pinch you don't want too salty of a dish but yeah um, any closing thoughts before uh, we finish up our episode um, yeah I quite like this film you guys made really good points about uh, the effects and just like that world and the the modifications of the characters. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I think we're kind of already there, right? So yeah, I think so. I think this movie just brings up soup. Like you could talk about this, like this specific genre of like sci-fi and stuff, like Matrix, Upgrade, all that. Mm-hmm. It just brings up like such good conversation, especially in our day and age. It's just like it's very every, relevant. Every now. single day, it's getting scarier and scarier. Yeah. Like now they know, they know, they know, they they know where you're at all the mm-hmm. time. You know, you drive to work and it's like seven minutes to mm-hmm. to land ocean. Yeah, say or like. Yeah, like, it, they learn, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, it is, I mean, in Moore's Law, too, is, like, every two then years, also like, like, our technological capacity doubles. Right. Suggesting yeah. ads and all this other stuff you see on your phone, like, your Instagram and all this has an mm-hmm. algorithm. They show you, they're building, like, whatever, everything that you're seeing. So it's Alerts. like, are you the one who is right. in control <laughs> of what you're thinking, or are they? Yeah. And it's, like... I think obviously we still have a lot of control, but I think it's clearly we're losing more and more and more control as like who knows what's next. Like they're gonna have like some cool crazy VR where you can like go into like whatever, like into the fake world. Elder Scrolls. (laughs) That's where that's where I do kind of give up my resistance. Yeah. I'm like, sure, I'm all all down. (laughs) If I can can go in FIFA and play like good stuff. Yeah, I could be fucking Yeah. Ronaldo? Yeah. Not oh, Ronaldo. Like, I'm me, but I'm like Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay, want to yeah. give up the me, yeah. I don't want to be Ronaldo. Yeah, but I'm saying, yeah, if you no, got yeah, like, yeah, you, if, if I can max out my stats at 99, 99, 99, play like in FIFA and live that out. Or just make everyone as bad as you, but it feels like you're good. <laughs> you can put whatever chip you want in my brain. Yeah, I, can do that. I mean, <laughs> I think it's going to get to that point soon, you know? Sign me up. I also like how the, um, even the justice system in in that world like is still underwhelming even with all the technology that they have yeah like he can't like just out the criminals mm-hmm. and just arrest them even though he has the information and there's drones everywhere mm-hmm. recording everything right and that's still not even enough to to put them uh in handcuffs yeah which is crazy so. yeah i'm shocked the drones didn't have guns <laughs> <laughs> i was really surprised yeah that's shocked gonna... the drones can't just turn into like cyborg police, like fly down to the ground, just oh, like yeah. turn into like a transformer a transform- real quick. Decepticon action. Yeah, Tra- yeah transform into a straight jacket and just lands on a culprit. <laughs> oh, <that's> sick. <laughs> Justice has been served. <laughs> it's actually a Robocop sequel in disguise. Yeah, yeah they, they are doing uh, the Boston Dynamics robot. They just mounted a gun on one of them, didn't they? Yeah, it's like a Good aftermarket. Job military manufacturer it's Wait, happening what? Now. yeah have you seen the boston dynamics like kind of the robot dogs big dog like, oh no yeah like, wait boston like the dog that does like front flips and shit yeah like yeah that. yeah they're weird like four-legged robot yeah, yeah they, mil- yeah. military is exploring those for sure yeah there's and, a base in florida where they do oh, drills scary. with them and i then, mean and that's just what we know reminds me of that, oh, like you ever on. seen that black mirror episode where like mm-hmm. they, they get hunted by like that robot yeah. dog yeah. it's all in black and white yeah <sighs> That's a, that's that a, was a good episode, but that was grim. Dude. That was grim as yeah. hell. Metalhead, fucking yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Well, I don't it's know. Like Terminator. What do I, you do? I exactly. haven't seen that Black Mirror one, but was it privately owned? The, the drone robot in that one, because that's what the new one they were showing with the sniper scope. Uh, that was private. Uh, it's it's for remember. private own, ownership only. Elon Musk army. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dude, we're about to have some straight Dune type stuff, well, I mean, which we didn't we're talk about. Kind of already about. there. I mean, really, we just drone strike everything now. We're just, right. We're just not on the receiving end of it. You know, it's like <laughs> that is people's reality. Yeah, yeah, that is people's realities already. So, 
wild to think about. Get your EMPs ready, everyone, for sure. Straight up. <laughs> but yeah, um, thanks again, Connor, for coming mm. on to our uh, podcast. It's been really fun. You picked a really interesting film that is completely relevant to our world today, and there are a lot of themes and topics that like that were um, yeah relevant to COVID times and just like our technology nowadays. So. Yeah, uh, thank you again for for coming on. We hope to have you again in future episodes. Yeah, thank you so much for having um, me. This has been really fun, and yeah, thank you a lot. Really appreciate it. We're gonna have you back on. I mean, I hope for so. sure. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. You guys are great guys, and uh, this is a great podcast. And I love all your passion for film. I think I learned a lot about being on here, so I, I look forward to doing it again. It's really cool. So yeah. Um, Thank, and thank you again, Late Film listeners. If you've gotten this far, yeah, check us out on Instagram or email us at latefilmpodcast at gmail.com. Um, thank you for uh, being our loyal listeners. And yeah, thank you again, Connor. Um, we hope to have you again soon. And uh, I'm your co host, Richie. And I'm your co host, Tyler. And this is Patrick. And we're signing off. And this is Connor. Farewell. Uh, later, everybody. And we are signing up. And off. we are signing up. <laughs> Gray's not here anymore. He's in a better place. In his mind, where he wants to be. I've taken over now. A fake world is a lot less painful than a real one. All I needed was for his mind to break, and he broke it. No. Goodbye.